North Organic CBD is a new sponsor of Holding Court. I love their CBD gummies. They come in two delicious flavors, strawberry lemonade and green apple. I've had them both, both amazing. One a day and you're totally okay. I like to stay active. I like to keep playing tennis. I like to get in the gym. That's why I love North Organic CBD. Their products are made in the USA. They're high quality. They're specially formulated, broad spectrum, organic CBD products for everyday adventurers. Don't forget about the very popular CBD salve from North Organics. Immediate relief of any physical pain. I use it daily for my sore shoulders, sore knees, hips, you name it. It works wonders. Go to NorthOrganicCBD.com and enter Patrick20, that's Patrick20, for 20% off your order. Hi, everybody. I'm Patrick McEnroe, and this is Holding Court. It is that time again, everyone. It is go time. Patrick McEnroe here on Holding Court. Been on a little bit of a hiatus with a little trip to Paris for the uh, French Open there for BNP Paribas, the great sponsor of the French Open and all things tennis, including the John McEnroe Tennis Academy, of course, which I am the co-director along with my good buddy Lawrence Klager at our facility in New York. So I go over there, do a little corporate glad handing for them, do some events with our kids. They've got programs actually all over the world through BNP that they sponsor in Italy and Poland, of course, in their home country of France and in the good old USA. So I go over, pay my respects, make sure my brother gets to a couple of uh, events for us. You know how that goes. And uh, so it was a nice little trip overseas. I saw the new stadium there at Roland Garros, which is just absolutely awesome. Watched some of the Nadal Oje Aliassim match. I saw that live and in person. Believe it or not, I was actually flying home back to New York during the Nadal Djokovic match. Not exactly the best timing on my part. So I was following it on my phone as best I could over the ocean. Actually, when I landed, the match was still happening. So I was able to, of course, I watched the replay of it as I always do. And uh, Nadal able to win that against Djokovic, who had set points in that fourth set to take it to a fifth. If it had gone to a fifth, what would have happened? We don't know, but it did not. And uh, Rafa goes on to win his 14th major. Thank you, everyone, for posting on Twitter. Obviously, that a big topic. Rafael Nadal, how was he able to do it? Barely able to walk a couple of weeks before Roland Garros. And then, as he said in his uh, press conference, after winning the title over Kasparu, just demolished him in the final. Of course, Alexander Zverev had that horrendous injury to the ankle at the just at the end of the second set, had lost a first in a tiebreak, a set that the Germans should have won, but did not. Nadal able to win that. Then they go to six all in that final point to get to six all. Zverev goes over on the ankle in just horrendous fashion. Believe it or not, everybody, they had been playing in those two sets and the second set wasn't complete for over three hours up until that point. So Rafael Nadal does it again. We saw what he did at Australian Open, yes, as many of you Nadal fans like to remind me, I counted him out during that match. Didn't you? Come on, be honest with me. Be honest, Rafa fans. Didn't you count him out a little bit, just a little? 
in that match with Medvedev in the final? Well, we learned just as I learned personally the hard way back in, what was it, 91 to never count out Jimmy Connors because I did in the first round when I was up two sets to love, love three, love 40. But who remembers the details? I remember the details. Even my daughter, who's a competitive tennis player, says when I uh, mentioned to her what she did when she had a lead and she lost it, Dad, w- weren't you up two sets to love and three love on Connors at the O? Oh, yeah. Oh, thanks for the reminder. Um, so Nadal goes on to win. I don't know how he does it. I mean, yeah, he said he took some pain killing injections. I, I'm no doctor. I don't know exactly what they are. Uh, people, you know, there's conspiracy theorists now coming out in the tennis world. There's one conspiracy that, you know, Joe, uh, Nadal is doping. He's taking some sort of a drug. Look, they test him all the time at the majors and whatever they're putting in his ankle, uh, I think it's just a painkiller. Again, I'm not a doctor. I don't know exactly what it is. But if it was something that was against the rules, he'd be caught. And, oh, no, they're not going to catch Nadal because he's Rafael Nadal. Please. That, uh, it's fixed to, for Djokovic. Is good. It's fixed. The tennis establishment's against Djokovic. That's why he lost the number one ranking and Medvedev's number one. We all know Medvedev shouldn't be number one, okay, based on play. But listen, people, it's based on the rankings, It's based on how many points you've gained in each tournament you've played. Why was Rafael Nadal seated number five at the French Open? Not because he's the fifth best clay quarter, but because the points he had accumulated over the last calendar year had him at number five. I, for one, believe that they should have changed in the seating. Don't change the rankings. The rankings are what they are, but you are allowed, if you're the tournament, particularly for a major, where you can basically do whatever you want, move him up to four so that he wouldn't have to play, for example, Djokovic or the one or two seed, whomever that is, in the quarterfinals, as happened. And do I think it hurt the tournament in the long run? Yes, I do. Because you had yet another beatdown in the final with uh, Rude getting to the final through that bottom half of the draw. He earned his way there. Had, I thought he would make it a little bit closer, but he didn't, 3-3-0. Three, three and, oh. and again, you can't, there's no way to for sure make it, make it happen that there's going to be a great final. Okay, we know that. We know that there are upsets along the way. We know that there's beat down, just as there was in the women's final with Fiontech over Coco Goff, as I predicted there. I did say she would win the tournament without losing a set, but she did drop one set to the Chinese player in the middle of the tournament in a tie break, which she should have won anyway. And then she rolled the next two sets. So I was wrong, as all of you like to point out to me on Twitter and the rest of social media when I get it wrong. By the way, that is my job. Part of my job is to make predictions, to engage. Of course, we're not always going to be right. That's a given, isn't it? Isn't that a given? What about the time I predicted that Nadal would beat Burdick in the finals of Wimbledon when they played? I predicted that it would be uh, whatever this actual score was. I predicted it literally exactly, I think it was 6-3-7-5-6-2, if memory serves me correctly. But you can look it up. Go ahead and look it up. So the point is, is that when you're doing the seedings, if you're Wimbledon, if you're the French Open, the French Open has never, ever deviated from the rankings. They do that because they don't want there to be controversy. They don't want to see, you know, this favoritism, but you got to be smart. And, you know, tennis, look, if you have a great final, the ratings go up. Okay. And it helps the sport. So I'm not saying you fix the draw. I'm not saying you don't go by the rank. If the rankings are accurate. They're accurate. 
Okay. But if Rafael Nadal's ranked five and you know, and by the way, the reason he's ranked five, let me get to this point, which is also related to the Djokovic conspiracy theorists out there is because they haven't played a lot of tournaments. Now there's a variety of reasons for that. For Nadal, it's basically been about his injuries. He played in the middle of last year, he played the tournament in DC, as you remember, and then he didn't play again for six months. Okay. Then you have Djokovic, who, of course, you know, almost ran the table last year. So he was so solidly at number one. Then, because of the vac- his vaccination stance, he made that stance. I'm not going to take the vaccine. So he wasn't able to play a bunch of tournaments, including the Australian Open, including Miami and Indian Wells, which are huge points. And then as the vaccination restrictions were lifted, he was able to start playing again. So that's why he's dropped in the rankings. He's now number three. Of course, we all know that it should be maybe Nadal should be one now because he's won the last two, the two majors this year. They should be one and two. Then you go Medvedev, Zverev, Rude, you know, sits the pass down the list. But because the ranking system is based on how many points you accumulate during the year, it is what it is. So stop, people. Please stop with the argument. It's fixed. We don't, the establishment doesn't want you. That's the most stupidest idea I've ever heard. They don't want Djokovic. We don't want Djokovic. We, the tennis establishment. By the way, I'm not the tennis establishment, okay? I work for ESPN. I do my own little rinky-dink podcast here. Keep us entertained. Hopefully, you're being entertained by it. So, so, so pipe down, okay, when it comes to these theories. Oh, talk about this conspiracy. You know, Djokovic, everybody's against him. The guy's won 20 majors. Nobody's against him. You know, like, you're, if I'm supposed to agree with everything he's done. Give me a break. By the way, the Nella, which is my sponsor, which is a probiotic, is by Fitbiotics, is absolutely amazing. I've been taking it. I was a little under the weather, which is part of the reason I was on a podcast hiatus after I got back from the French Open. No COVID. But as you can see, I'm getting my energy back. Okay, it's coming back. So I'm here. It is a little bit after... Uh, the first week of the grass court season was completed. It's Tuesday, June 14th. I will be heading over to Wimbledon in a little over a week, a week and a half from now. And uh, I, I don't I don't personally care as looking ahead to covering if there are points or no points. You know, the whole the whole debate is going to continue. And, you know, we'll be getting into that big time when we get over there with the uh, all England club banning the Russians and the Belarusians. Most people in the tennis world are against it. I'm not so sure about that. Don't we have to take a stand at some point on this horrendous war that Russia has undertaken in Ukraine? Now, they're the, the people that say, well, um, you know, they, we, we weren't, they weren't taking care of Russia. They, they, you know, NATO, and they weren't clear that Ukraine couldn't be part of NATO, and they're not doing the right thing by making sure Russia isn't surrounded by NATO countries. Uh, you know, anyway, I mean, at some point, you can you can continue. It's the easy thing, okay. And I and I admit it. There have been times when I've initially when I heard that they were thinking about banning players. I said that's that's wrong. You can't penalize individual players um, for things our country has done. Uh, but then you like look at the atrocities going on over there. But which, by the way, all of a sudden now we're not not you're not quite seeing quite as much about what's going on over there which, of course, was probably Putin's plan from the beginning. But I, again, I, 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 I'm, I'm off on a tangent that I don't know enough about, so I'm not going to keep going there because I realize that I don't know enough about it. But the point is, is that 
then the ATP and the WTA decided to strip Wimbledon from the ranking points. Now, the only the only real power that the tours have, and this is we've known this for years, is that they control the ranking system. Uh, they control the the points. They run the computer system that ranks the players. Uh, there's been over the years, you know, the slams have threatened to start their own tour, much like the live tour in golf, you know, where they're starting their own tour. That's actually separate from the majors. It, uh, either, I'm talking about the grand slams in tennis when they were been fighting with the ATP, mostly the ATP over the years. Um, they've thought about, we could start our own tour. You know, have a little bit like the Live Tour. Imagine the Live Tour had made a deal with the majors in golf. That that's what has been considered years past in tennis. It hasn't been talked about a lot lately. Um, so the tours decided we're going to take away the ranking points. So look, I don't like it. I think it penalizes all the players. Uh, in a, they're just using it because that's all they got. I spoke to Steve Simon on my most recent podcast about the China situation with Peng Shui. He was great, by the way. He talked about that. He made a strong case for why this decision should not have been made by the All England Club. I listened to him. He made some good points. I got to admit, I'm still a little bit torn by it. My buddy Cliff Drysdale, my longtime mentor, a broadcast partner, just good buddy, brother figure, father figure, older brother, uncle, whatever you want to call, great friend. I had a long talk with him. He sort of convinced me that it was the right thing to do. He Remember, he's from South Africa originally, so he wasn't able to play in a lot of countries with his South African passport when he was in playing on the Pro Tour in the late 60s into the 70s. And he said, this is just, obviously, it's, it's one small thing that the world can do, but it's something that puts pressure on the regime in that country. And he believed that over time, time, not that South Africa, of course, is like a bastion of uh, human rights and, and democracy and et cetera at the moment, but he felt that was one of the things that helped push it over the top as far as apartheid getting overturned and overruled uh, in the country of South Africa. So that rang pretty true with me. I wish they hadn't taken points away. Um, I, I feel bad for the Russian and Belarusian players. You know, Medvedev, Rublev are, are great players. Sabalenka, Azarenka from Belarus. Sabalenka is certainly one of the players that could possibly win Wimbledon. I've talked about this before. We'll talk again about it. All right, this episode of Holding Court is being brought to you by Fit Biomics and their new next-gen probiotic, which is called Nella. It's a daily capsule of next-generation performance probiotics designed to help all of us pursue a healthy and active lifestyle uh, from inside the gut. You know, you've all been hearing about gut health and digestion. And so Nella, this new product, is going to take it to another level. So I've just started out with it. I will let you know how it goes with me. Of course, I like to think myself, even though I'm 55, as a high-performance athlete, maybe not quite the same as I used to be. But, you know, over the years, I get a little bit of a gut. So this is going to help me, they tell me, and I'll tell you how it goes uh, with me and my, pro- and my progress. And I hope that you do the same. Nella is the name of the product. And you can go to nella.fitbiomics.com and you will get 25% off if you put in my code PMAC, P-M-A-C, 25 and it's available on, on the online sales channels, 25% off all products. Nella is a daily capsule of next-generation performance probiotics designed to help all of us pursue a healthy and active lifestyle and reach our personal best. The other topic, though, I want to get to 
because it's it's kind of taken over like tennis, at least in, in my country, in the U.S. Uh, I'd be interested to hear from my f- uh, listeners all over the world. I know in Spain, uh, Padel, which is a s- s- version of, there's pickleball. Okay, pickleball's taken over in many parks and clubs around the country. And it's basically... Playing, it's basically playing half court tennis with little paddles and a and a and a. It's almost like kind of like a wiffle ball. With the, what the pickleball is, it makes this loud sound. So pickleball courts, you could basically put like four to six pickleball courts on one tennis court, and so you have people picking up pickleball all over. It's like the new craze happening around, which which I think is great. A lot of people, like a lot of tennis aficionados, don't like it. My brother included, um, because pickleball. You know, you don't have to move as much. You don't have to run as much. It, it doesn't take as much skill to just pick it up. Okay. But that's one of the problems for tennis. Tennis is a great, is a very hard sport to get very competent at so that you can actually become good enough so that it's worth your while. Meaning you can hit the ball, put it, hit it over the net. Uh, have a rally with someone, get some exercise. You know, I don't need to tell you that if you just start playing tennis, whatever, you know, obviously the younger you start, the better. I started at three. Okay. I just hit against the wall all day. So I don't, I don't even remember what it was like to not be able to hit the ball over the net. Well, I see a lot of kids at our academy, plus a lot of adults that pick up tennis later that if you can't make clean, you know, good contact with the ball, which is not that easy. Okay. For a lot of people, it's hard to enjoy tennis. So now you've got something in pickleball. Padel is a little bit more athletic. If you watch it, you know, check it out. I think it's Padel Tennis. I see it on my Instagram. These guys playing in Europe. It's very popular in Spain. It's almost like an indoor, you know, one of those in, enclosed like racquetball courts, but it's a, you know, it's a, it's like a miniature tennis court, but it's a bigger than the area for pickleball. So you see, you know, younger people playing at pickleball Every people of every age are playing, particularly older people, which I think is great. Okay, because it gets people out there. It also, I think, gives it appreciation for how hard tennis is. So it's like the new craze. Of course, at our tennis academy, we we, we the knock on wood. I'm knocking on my desk here. We're very successful. We have tons of kids playing. We're building new courts at our facility at Randall's Island in New York City. We're actually building ten more courts in the process of our construction right now. So that's great because you know the pandemic. Um, actually made tennis more popular. But I'm all for getting people to just hit the ball, whatever ball it is. And I was at a tournament, in, and I'm going back there again soon with my daughter in Rome, Georgia, where they built it outside of Atlanta. It's about an hour and a half from Atlanta. Incredible tennis facility, 50-some courts, six indoor courts. And across the street from the hotel I was staying at was like a sort of a satellite club that had like or a park, 20 some courts. And then they had converted. Many people are talking to me on Twitter about converting tennis courts into just pickleball courts. So you, so way more people like beginner type people can play pickleball and can have a little bit of fun playing it. If you're a beginner and you're picking up tennis, it's very difficult, extremely difficult to, again, get good at it. So I think use pickleball, anyone, anything that helps the tennis business, Okay, and the tennis business is related to pickleball. We should get on board with that. So that's my two cents on that. Okay, the other big story in the world of tennis has to be, not has to be, it is the announcement by none other than Serena Williams, who's won 23 majors, that she will play Wimbledon. She posted on her Instagram, it was SW19 
I'm in, here I come, a uh, picture of her practicing with her team. And that is awesome news. The last tournament, the last competitive match that Serena Williams played was against Alexandra Sasnovich, if you remember, just about a year ago at Wimbledon when she went over on her ankle. And since then, she hasn't played. So I'm pumped that she's playing. Am I, am I optimistic about how well she can do? Uh, I'm not optimistic. I'm going to be honest, but she is Serena. Okay. And, she, and so if she can practice well and she's feeling fit, obviously she can be a threat. But obviously she'll be susceptible, particularly in the first couple of matches. And as we know in women's tennis now, there's a lot more depth so even the players, well, Serena will not be, oh this, oh, this will be interesting. Will she be seated? I guess not. She probably, because Wimbledon got rid of their system a couple of years ago, which I forgot to mention on my Instagram video that I also posted on Twitter before the French Open, saying the French Open should do what Wimbledon is. So I apologize. Many of you picked up on it that I made a mistake. Thank you for doing that. Wimbledon doesn't use that system where they, Look at your re- uh, particularly your recent results on grass and at Wimbledon to potentially move you up in the seating. So in other words, let's say you're uh, I- I'm going to make this up. Let's say you're Kevin Anderson who'd won you know been to the finals of Wimbledon the year before, and let's say he was ranked number eleven. And then with this system, they they may have moved him up to being seated number seven. Okay, so but they I, I believe they only did that. And again, you can you you can the seating police can. Um, correct me if I'm wrong on this, that I believe they only did it for players that were within the top 32. So anyway, it's irrelevant because they don't do it anymore. They go strictly by this, the ranking. So now you're going to have Serena. I guess she should be unseated because she hasn't played at all. Um, I might make the case, you know, throw her in at seed number 28 or something just because she's Serena and she's won it you know, a gazillion times. She's won 23 majors. So, you know, we could have Serena Sviantek in the opening round. Okay, we could have that. Uh, Barty, of course, is retired. She's not going to play. But this creates a little buzz for the tournament. Obviously, Serena is a huge story. We know that. She's been super busy uh, with all of her other activities, which she's uh, she's like a conglomerate now. She's like Federer. You know, they have their own little empire, which is amazing. It's awesome to see. But I'm glad she's making the effort to come back. Uh, who's her coach? I don't know, because Patrick Mortagalu is now with Halep. Uh, I don't know the answer to that. But it will be awesome to see her just walking the grounds at the All England Club. Do I expect her to make a deep run? I don't expect it. Would I be shocked no, because she's Serena. Uh, and again, if she could get through, get over to, uh, if, if I'm Serena, I'm getting over there early. I might even get over there this weekend, you know, 10 days before, get settled, get a hard week of practice in, two a days, go to Orangi Park, get out there as much as you can, try to get the cobwebs out on the practice court, get a couple of practice matches in if you can. For most players, they don't need to do that because they've played so many matches. They're you know getting used to the grass, just tuning up. For her, I'd say use this next. You don't practice on the grass in Florida. It's horrendous grass. There's no good grass courts in the United States, basically, Okay, that play anywhere near like Wimbledon. Get over there, get situated, Give yourself a hard week of practice. See how you recover. Last couple days, take it easy. Um, That would be my advice. I don't believe Serena is sending any messages to me looking for advice, nor should she. 
Moving on to the other legend, it is Mr. Roger Federer. And Roger Federer did something amazing in the last week. He hit balls with one of our star young players at our tennis academy who had asked him a question when he was seven at the U.S. Open. Somehow, um, it got back to Roger. Uh, our kid uh, is doing great in tennis. He's 11, I believe, now, or 12. And he went over on a surprise trip to Switzerland, and he was actually able to meet Roger and hit balls with him, went with his family. He thought he was going to play a tournament. Our, one of our coaches at our academy set it up. Incredible. So we have these great videos of um, our little guy, Zizu is his name, playing with Roger Federer. And again, Roger Federer showing his class in, uh, and doing the right thing for kids and for tennis. Now, I do not believe that Roger Federer is going to win another major. Uh, I hope that he can get back and be able to compete again in another major. It does not look like that's going to happen this year. Uh, he has said uh, through his agent, because he's fairly tight-lipped about, you know, once in a while he'll give an interview. I'm still hoping to get him on holding court, the podcast. But, you know, we'll see about that. Hello, Tony Gotsik. Uh, so Roger has said he's going to play Basel, which of course is a tournament you know, in the city where he grew up. The stadium is named after himself and the Laver Cup, <clears throat> assuming he's healthy, which uh, my brother and I will be at again. We're hoping to turn it around this year for world. We've, we've had a rough go of it there. Um, so that's on the Federer schedule. Now, obviously, hopefully he'll be able to do it, but he, I, I did see, he said publicly that he wants to play again in 2023. So we're holding out hope. Uh, he's had a rough go. He's in his 40s now. The knee surgeries have been brutal. I hope he can come back. Last thing I'm going to tell you about, because I, I, I got to hear from you, crazy cell phone, losing your phone, and then finding it. You're not going to believe it. So last night, I live in just outside New York City in Westchester County. I went into the city. My wife was performing at a private club, doing an event there, singing an hour. And then we had dinner with all the people that came to the show. Awesome performance. My wife killed it. Melissa Erica was her name. And uh, of course, I'm being the good husband, taking pictures, getting her stuff, making sure, you know, we get home because I had to get up in the morning. So I'm like, you know, come on, you know, being, you know, not rushing. I can't rush her when she's done with her show because she's got to talk to all the people and um, pack up her stuff. She's got her dress on. She's got to change out of her dress that she performed. I'm making sure I get some photos. Anyway, we get to the car. We load up the car. Can't find my phone. I'm like, where's my phone? Oh, let me check. I said to my wife, Melissa, is in your, let me look in your bag. No, it's not a bag. I had taken my jacket off because we were driving home. So I threw on my T-shirt, you know, like in the back of your car. Now, since the pandemic, I have like, you know, 15 different outfits, all this stuff in the back of my car. So can't find the phone. Go back inside to the club. Check her dressing room. Check the dining room. Check the room, which is the library where she performed, you know, with a couple hundred people. Check the bathroom where I had gone. My daughter was texting me in the middle of the show. I went, I was, of course, you know how you read your phone when you're in the bathroom? Okay, I do that. I, do that. I put it to check. Nothing. Ask the guys at the desk. No, we had, did anybody turn their phone? No. You should be able to know because it says tennis dad on the back of my phone. That's the cover my daughters gave me a couple of years ago at Christmas. Finally, I go, I go twice back and forth to the place. 
my, my wife's beside herself. Oh no, honey, I'm so sorry. Don't worry. I'll find it. And, you know, it's, it is what it is. It's just a phone. I'll get a new one if I have to. We drive home, get home. I'm, I get home just in time for, there's like seven minutes left in the Warriors game. I turn on the game. I said, honey, I'm going to go watch the game. I'm going to check my computer. I'm going to, I got a book reading to do tomorrow. I'm going to look at my, uh, my lines for the book. I'm reading a book um, in studio, you know, whether you're the voice on the book, some tennis related book. And I said, I'll look at my computer. Do you have to, you know, find my iPhone? So luckily I actually have it on my computer. Find your iPhone. I look, I, I look it up. It's got all my kids' phones and AirPods and so on. I see Patrick iPhone. Click on it, 250 feet away. Like it's in the house. It's in the house. I go look it around. I said, honey, I walk upstairs. I'm downstairs in the basement. We got construction going on in our master bedroom. I said, baby, the phone's in the house. Where I looked, I, I, I emptied all the things. I can't find it. Well, it says 200 feet away now. Must be in the car. I walk outside and you know, you put the, you find your phone and then you can put the sound. So it makes a sound. So sure enough, I hit, I'm holding my laptop. By now it's like almost midnight, it's 1130 to midnight. I'm looking at it. I click on it. I hear the sound. I hear it. I, it's, it's in the car. I start looking around all in the car. I have, as I said, I've got all this crap, tennis rackets, balls, different outfits, suits for when I go on, you know, regular TV, uh, tennis clothes, my running shoes. Can't find it. I hear the sound. I walk around the side. Can you believe it? On the roof of my car, an Acura MDX, like a little pseudo minivan, mini, you know, whatever you call it, SUV. It's on the top of the car. So I drove from New York City to my house in Westchester, solid at that hour, no traffic. So, you know, maybe it takes 28 minutes from Midtown. 28 minutes, I drove home and my phone was on the roof of my car. I put it down when I was, you know, like you put your coffee in the morning when you're getting, you're getting in your car, I'll put my coffee on the top, which I've done that before too. Of course, the coffee, you know what happens with that as soon as you start moving. I, so I'm putting my wife's stuff in the back seat, all the, her bag. She's on the other side doing the same. I put it on top because I was, I don't know why I usually, I had it in my jacket pocket. So I drove home. This, this lets you see what a damn good driver I am, doesn't it? That I was able to drive home without stopping short and my phone stayed on the roof of my car. It was in a little bit of a nook, like, you know, the little, so it was like a little crease that somehow it had nestled in there. Do you have a find your phone story better than that? I think not. It's Patrick McEnroe. On Holding Court. Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe is powered by Mudhouse Media.